0: Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Well, we are almost at the end of Easter and we have stepped back into moments just before Jesus leaves the upper room and makes the journey to the Mount of Olives where he will spend the night in prayer and there to be arrested and thrown in prison, beaten several times, put on trial more than once, and finally crucified. So these, in some ways, are his last words, and it's called the High Priestly Prayer. It's all of chapter 17 in the Gospel of John. And there's, as as we've moved through the prayer, you've heard Jesus pray for himself, and he's just finished a section where he was praying for the disciples that are in the room. And then there's this wonderful transition where he begins to pray for you and I. So when you woke up this morning and stepped into the bathroom and looked in the mirror at yourself, did you you think the first thoughts were, I'm the one that Jesus is praying for. I'm the one. Not Dave Zelmer. no, I'm the one. Jesus is praying for you and I because he's praying for those who will come to believe because of the words of the disciples and through the generations down to you and I. So this is the really happy part of this sermon. It's gonna get rougher as we go along because I want you to think about the reason that you're here this morning. Who's the one that shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you in a way that mattered, that it it settled into your heart and in your mind, and you knew that the gift of mercy and forgiveness of sins was for you? I want you to think about that person. Why are you here today? Now, if I had to pick one out of the whole panorama of my life, I'd have to pick my mother. She was not a great theologian. She did not have a seminary degree. She'd gotten a two-year teaching degree from Augie. She'd met my dad in choir. She raised four children, but if I had to tell you the preacher that got me to this moment in my life, it would be her. One, she had a rule that you would go to church on Sunday morning unless you were dead, and you needed to have a certificate of death before that could be applied. Mother did not care if you had a broken bone. We can take care of that. If you had maybe a temperature of 103, there was an exemption. But other than that, you were going to church. And even as we got into college and came home, guess what? She did not care that you came at home at two in the morning and maybe had, well, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) She did not care, just did not care. You were going to church where you were going to hear a sermon. You were going to go to Bible camp you were going to go to vacation Bible school. But it was also the way she treated people. See, mom had figured out that it wasn't just words that preached the gospel, it was also action. We hear it in the the letter that you just read from, from Michael Kedick, the book of Acts. Why does the jailer come, why does the jailer come to belief? And it wasn't because of a brilliant sermon because Paul and his disciple behaved differently they could have stopped the beating that the magistrates had given all they needed to say all they needed to say was we are Roman citizens it's against the law in Rome to beat flog with rods a Roman citizen it was a horrific punishment and then to be thrown into the innermost jail dark wet cold put in stocks and what's their response hymn singing prayers and then an earthquake would come and they're freed now why would they not escape why would they not escape they could do so well first of all it would have meant the death of the jailer and more than likely the death not only of the jailer but his entire family if you let prisoners out you were condemned So they stay and now there is a sermon, but there has been action. There has been words and deeds that changed the life of this jailer and his family. I want you to think about why you're here today. Was it the great sermon? Was it the words that fell on your heart? Or were there words with deeds that brought you to this moment? One of my favorite teachers of the church is St. Francis of Assisi, and he has this lovely phrase that he shared with you and I, that every day Christian people should preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and if you need to use words, use them. So I want, this is the good part, because we're the recipients of that. There have been people in our lives that have preached the good news of Jesus Christ, and here we are. But as I read this text, Jesus is also preaching and praying for those that we will tell the good news to, that we will share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who have not yet heard it. And so the question that immediately arises in my mind, that I've, I've done this now for 41 years, how well are we doing? And truthfully, not very well. The church is plummeting in membership. All of us across the United States. We're just not doing a very good job of preaching the good news. The fastest growing church in America right now is those that have no church affiliation. It goes up astonishingly more every day. And why is that happening? Well, I think we've made some mistakes along the way, that's for sure. Part of it is we thought that it's only the preacher's job to preach the good news, that somehow it's that man or that woman that we've paid for to go into the pulpit and go into the world to do that work. Paul and Silas changed that jailers' lives, how would we do in that situation? See, I think we've forgotten that it's our responsibility, our responsibility, that you and I have a stake in this, that as we've received the gift of Jesus Christ and that we have been transformed, but how are we exhibiting that? Is there any evidence of that as we live in this world? How are we doing in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in word and in deed? Well, I think we regularly, we regularly think it's someone else's job. That's Pastor Lars's job over there. Or the professors at seminary. It certainly can't be my job on a day-in, day-out basis. I only get to preach on Sunday. Why should I worry about Tuesday? But it comes more than just proclaiming the word, it's living the word. If in fact I've been forgiven, if in fact I have new life today, how do I share that in a way that matters in the life of those around me? This has been a horrible week in my world. It's just been one bad news piece after another. I've read the report about the Southern Baptist Convention, about the intentional cover-up of sexual misconduct by leaders, by pastors, by church officials. And it would be so easy for me to go, well, it's those folks. It's not us, right? I I could just sit back and relax. Except the public has no discernible way of knowing any kind of difference between a Southern Baptist and a Lutheran. They're just gonna see another report of a pastor who's gotten away with misconduct and a church official who's misbehaved and used church money to cover up their misdeeds. They have no way of discerning between you and them. They don't know a difference between a Southern Baptist and a Lutheran to save their life. We've had a horrible shooting and another 19 children are dead. That's the 27th shooting this year, 27th, the last time I took my grandkids to school, the second grader said, are we going to be safe, Papa, at school today? Gun violence is now the leading cause of death for our children. It used to be car accidents, and now it's, and now it's gun violence. More children will die this year. We'll get a little break because school is going to be out. But somehow we have, somehow we have missed the point that our freedom doesn't come with responsibility. I've got so sick and tired of hearing about freedom without the next words that need to come out of your mouth. As Christian people, as Martin Luther said, I am a free Lord, as a a Christian, I'm a free Lord and subject to no one But as a person in Christ, I am servant to all. We seem to have forgotten the second part. How do we get to a place where simple slogans and Facebook posts are not the answer? That hard work of conversation, discussion, of struggling to find answers to very complex problems is needed. How does the Christian community share the good news of Jesus Christ in a world right now that is just striven with strife? How do we present Christ in a way by our words and deeds that make an impact on this community that we live in and in this nation that we call our own? We want simple solutions to very complex problems. I grew up in a world where patriotism regularly looks like getting a little tiny flag and waving it on one day and that we think we are patriotic by doing so. But to me, I learned patriotism at the feet of my grandparents. My grandfather's youngest brother was wounded in World War II, both in mind and body, and he came home just broken. And they did not want him to put in a VA home. So for the rest of his life, his three brothers and their wives took care of him. Patriotism looks a lot like hard work. It looks a lot like hard work. Tending to our vets, making sure they have homes and jobs and are welcomed home and are brought back into the community. To share the good news of Jesus Christ in both word and deed is hard work. It is really hard work. You can't pass it off to someone else. You can't say it's their job, it's not mine. I don't expect you or me to solve all the problems of the world, I absolutely don't. But we have a gift in Jesus, and how we share it in our world matters. It really matters. So God's blessings on you this week. God's blessings, as you are the people of God, as you share the good news, amen.